0: there we go so yeah in that video there it just illustrates how the whole bible the old and the new testament is all pointing towards jesus and all centered on him and it's all about uh, god's plan to rescue and restore the world and uh, ultimately that came through jesus and we're continuing today like we said with our journey to the cross series although we've gone past the cross now it's like the other side of the journey uh we've seen that jesus you know he was betrayed arrested crucified and then last week when we were celebrating easter how he is risen from the dead and he's alive today And we experience them in our lives now as well. So uh, today we're going to be looking at the next part and we're going to look at when Luke begins to, as the other Gospels do as well, record uh, the different times that Jesus appeared to people and people saw him alive. Now when I was a little kid, I was a massive Thomas the Tank fan. And uh, I know Max, I don't know if, if he'll catch he's probably four, so you won't be watching at home. <laughs> but um, Tim and Flick, little Max, he, he loves um, Thomas the Tank, and sometimes Flick shows me a picture or whatever, and Tim, and it remind, takes me back to my childhood. And one thing that I used to like to do is I'd get out my little Thomas the Tank toys, and I used to like to organize them. And arrange them in uh, into my favourite ones. And I don't know if any parents here are watching our home. If you've got kids and they got their like little toys, they like to put them into there, you know, organise them. And I'd I'd put Thomas first because he was the best. He was my favourite. And then you know I would arrange the others. And you know the ones who I wasn't really bothered with, they would be at the back, and the best ones would be at the front. So this is something you do as a kid, but also I feel like you know we do this when we grow up as well, don't we? If we're like organising things around the house, maybe we're displaying some pictures or things. We put our Best ones at the front and then um, well, I saw that we put people at the back, but you know what I mean? Or um, you know what if people are uh, in shop windows, you know the shops and they they want to get their like best things are like going to grab your attention if you like, or their best items. they put those in the shop window and then you know other things are spread around the shop. Well in a similar way, there were many, many different times uh, and people who saw Jesus alive and uh, after his resurrection we know that he appeared to the the women at the tomb uh, and as they ran along the road he also appeared to mary uh, in the in the garden around the tomb he appeared to uh, peter he appeared appeared to james um, jesus brother at one time jesus appeared to 500 people all in one time and there's all different uh, times that jesus met with people in acts 1 luke says this after his suffering jesus he presented himself to them uh, his followers, and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke to them about the kingdom of God. So as many times that people saw Jesus alive. But when Luke was writing his gospel account of Jesus' life, of, and Luke says how he, he spoke to different eyewitnesses and he put the stories together, of all the possible stories to include about Jesus appearing to people, of all the different ones... Luke chooses to share this one that we're going to look at today, and he decided to make this one the focus. And to, like, put this one, if you like, in the shop window. Out of all the different ones, he chose this one to include. And so that makes me think, well, why did Luke include this story? What's important about this one in particular that, you know, others he didn't write down, but this was the one he felt was really essential? Why is that? So as we look at it today, I want you to be thinking about that and asking the question, why, what's so important about this particular one? Now, there's loads we could say about this story, but this is just like a, a few highlights and a few thoughts um, as i was been looking at this week and things. So let's have a look together. But first of all, a quick recap. So we saw Jesus was crucified on Friday, what we now call Good Friday, remember on Good Friday, and he was buried, and then early on the Sunday morning, the women Some of the women who were followers of Jesus, they went down to the tomb. They were expecting to bring, um, they were bringing spices to prepare him for his burial because they hadn't had time on the Friday properly to do it before the Sabbath. And they were thinking, who's gonna roll the stone away from us? And their soldiers were guarding the tomb. They were wondering about this. But then when they got there, they found that the tombstone had been rolled away, that um, there was an earthquake, angels appeared, Jesus' body was gone, And then the angels say to them that Jesus is, in fact, alive. And this is what they say in Luke 24. It says, the angel said to them, Why are you looking among the dead for someone who is alive? He isn't here. He has risen from the dead. Remember what he told you back in Galilee, that the Son of Man must be betrayed into the hands of sinful men and be crucified, and that he would rise again on the third day. Then they remembered that he had said this. So now Luke, uh, so then what happens then is, oh here we are, let me read on. So they rush back from the tomb to tell his 11 disciples and everyone else what had happened. And then they, so they tell them the report, but then it says this, this is the the disciples and all the other followers there, but they did not believe the women because their words seemed to them like Nonsense. Peter, however, got up and ran to the tomb. Bending over, he saw the strips of linen lying there by themselves, and he went away wondering to himself what had happened. So it's a little bit of mystery going on. The women come back with these reports, but the men and the other followers there, they don't believe them. And now Luke switches scenes, and this is straight after this bit. This is what it says. Now that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them, but they were kept from recognizing him. So Jesus walks up alongside them, and this, for Luke, this is the first time that he records Jesus appearing to someone after his resurrection. And at first, Jesus keeps his identity hidden. God stops them from recognizing and realizing that it's Jesus. Now, I don't know, oh, here we go. This is a walk, look, seven miles. So if you're in Swansea Bay campus, it would, if you wanted to walk all the way to the Mumbles, that's about the journey these two were doing, about seven miles. So it's a fair walk. And anyway... Let's have a look. So they they kept. now. I don't know if you have ever seen this show, Undercover Boss. It's one of those like American ones. I don't know if you ever caught it. Sometimes I don't know if it's on British TV or something. But I've seen clips of it before. And basically, the boss of a company will pretend to be like just you know one of the employees, and they always dress them up in these like ridiculous disguises, so they so that they don't their employees don't realise that it's them, and they kind of see what's really going on. <laughs> That is ridiculous. Now, I don't think Jesus was doing something like this, you know, with a cap and sunglasses. But basically, God just kept these two from recognizing who it was. And there was a good reason for it. So Jesus comes up and he's walking alongside them, but they don't realize it's him. Then it says this. Jesus asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast. One of them, named Cleopas, asked him, "'Are you the only one visiting Jerusalem "'who does not know the things "'that have happened in these days?' "'What things?' he asked. "'I love that for Jesus, what things?' "'And then they say, "'About Jesus of Nazareth,' they replied. "'He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed "'before God and all the people. "'The chief priests and our rulers "'handed him over to be sentenced to death "'and they crucified him. "'But we had hoped that he was the one "'who was going to redeem Israel.' And what is more, this is the third day since this all took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, but they didn't find his body. Then they came back and told us that they'd seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but they did not see Jesus. He said to them, How foolish you are, and how slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken! Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if he were going further. But they urged him strongly, stay with us, for it's nearly evening and the day is almost over so he went in to stay with them when he was at the table with them he took bread gave thanks and broke it and began to give it to them then their eyes were opened and they recognized him and he disappeared from their sight they asked each other were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us they got up at once and returned to jerusalem There they found the eleven, and those with them, assembled together, and saying, "'It's true, the Lord is risen,' and he appeared to Simon. Then the two told them what had happened on the way, and how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke the bread. And while they were still talking about this, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, "'Peace be with you.' They were startled and frightened, thinking they saw a ghost, and he said to them, "'Why are you troubled?' And why do doubts rise in your mind? Look at my hands, look at my feet. It is I myself, touch me and see. A ghost does not have flesh and bones as you see. Still they stood there in disbelief, filled with joy and wonder. Then he asked them, do you have anything here to eat? And they gave him a piece of broiled fish and he ate it as they watched. He said to them, this is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be befil- fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. Then he opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures. So you see, that's a, the that's a second time that's mentioned in this little story here. He told them, this is what is written. The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day, and repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in Jerusalem to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. And I'm going to send you what my Father has promised. That's the Holy Spirit. But stay in this city until you've been clothed with power from on high. Okay, there we go. So that's a great story, isn't it? So I kind of rattled through it there for us. But let's unpack it a little bit. So we have these two followers of Jesus. One of them is named Cleopas, and we don't know who the other one was. Some people think it was probably, or some people think it was Cleopas's wife and um they think you know and they kind of study and the different arguments but the, it doesn't actually tell us so we don't actually know but that's what lots of people think but what we do know about these two is they were part of the group of jesus followers They weren't one of the 12 disciples, but obviously there was more than the 12 disciples and there was many others who gathered around Jesus and followed him and traveled with him and they were part of this larger group. And they were there on that first Easter morning. We see that they were there in the mix when the women came back with the report that they had seen that the the tomb was empty and angels had appeared to them to tell them that Jesus was alive. And they heard these reports firsthand. They were there, but they were the ones in this group that did not believe them because they thought it sounded like nonsense and then of course Peter and we know John as well they ran to the tomb and they found that the tomb was empty as well but they didn't see Jesus and now so these two they've heard these reports they've heard what Peter and John have said and now it's these two who were they were there in the morning and now they're on their way to Emmaus and we see that as they're walking along they they're discussing it and you can see that they want to believe what the women have said but they can't quite bring themselves to believe it. And then Jesus comes alongside them. And uh, we see that there, yeah, Jesus comes alongside them. Now, one of the things I love about Jesus and what we see in this story here, and one thing that I think is amazing, is that in Jesus' time, Jesus chose, when he came back to life, he chose the women to be the first witnesses to his resurrection, they were the first ones to hear that Jesus was alive. They were the first ones to see him alive, and they were the ones entrusted with the most important news in the world that Jesus has come back to life. And in the time and in the culture there, this is so radical because at that time, really only a man's testimony counted in the culture there, and women were considered to be like unreliable witnesses. And so you can see this in Cleopas' answer a little bit, because... Here we go, if we flick over, he says how, you know, the women, they went to the tomb, they came back with a report, and this is what they said. But then when the men went, our companions, they found the tomb was empty, but they did not see Jesus. And so they're, they're like, leaning in on what the men said. Does that make sense? But I love how Jesus, he just cuts straight through this, like, cultural... Um, situation and this value in society just cuts straight through it and he undoes this mentality and he empowered women to play the most important role and vital role right at the beginning here. Isn't that fantastic? He chose them to be the first witnesses and gave them that job. And it's a good job that Jesus did this because the men, they they were slow to believe. Jesus said, oh how slow to believe you are. But the women, they believed it straight away and they took the testimony with them. Isn't that fantastic? And I love, how Jesus does that and the second thing I love about this as well is how honest we see the disciples and the authors of the gospel are. You know, they're so honest about themselves. And you can, this for me this is one of the reasons why I think that, you know, it's definitely not made up because they're really not trying to make themselves look good at all, are they? If you were making it up, you'd want to make yourself look good. But they, they're clear He says in front of Jesus, basically, we don't, we don't believe a word that they're saying. And you know what Jesus says, how foolish you are and how slow to believe. So not making themselves look good at all and I love how honest they are about it and so we get this fantastic response from Jesus how foolish you are and how slow to believe why aren't you believing what the women have said did not the Messiah have to suffer all these things and enter his glory and then look beginning with Moses and all the prophets he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself and here we see what a great teacher Jesus is as well. That in this moment when he's there with them, he doesn't just say like, of course you should have believed the women. Look, it's me. He instead, he takes them through the Bible. He takes them through the scriptures from the beginning all the way through to show them step by step how what was happening is true and how Jesus was God's plan for the world so that they could discover it and see it and understand it for themselves. Because Jesus was God's plan for the world all along. The world and us and humanity, we were created for a relationship with God and to partner with him in this world, to be God's partners in bringing his blessing and goodness and life and creativity in creation. That was the job that he gave to humanity. But humanity, we thought that we could do it better by ourselves. We could do it in our own way. We could do it in our own strength, and we knew better than God. And we see that that, as we went on our own way, brought destruction and brokenness into this world and the creation that we were charged to represent God in and care of. And God, of course... He loves his creation and he loves people and so he didn't want to leave it in this mess but he planned a rescue. And we see that God called out a family, and it's a bit like we saw in that video there. He called out a family, beginning with Abraham, and he said, I'm going to bless you, and through you, you're going to have descendants, and through you, I'm going to bless the nations of the world through you and bring God's blessing into the world. And God wanted to restore the unity of God and humanity and restore his creation, bringing heaven to earth and his presence back alongside with people every day permanently. And so we track with his family, with Abraham and the children he has, and as his family grows, which becomes the nation of israel and we see how god is with them and blesses them and guides them and we get these moments where this family they did a wonderful things and amazing things and they did bless the world and reveal god's goodness and plan and his favor and all that god has and his love for us and represented god and there's these high points which we mostly saw in that video of these high points of moments but ultimately they fell short because they 're broken, they were broken people like you and me, and they weren 't able to bridge that gap between people and God, and ultimately they failed in in that, but God was faithful to his promise, faithful to his covenant. And through the line of that family, God came into the world himself as a man, Jesus Christ. He came into the world and fulfilled all the promises that God had made and did it himself. He was the perfect human being who became the sacrifice to take away the sins of the world, and he fulfilled this calling and reunited humanity and God, because God himself came into the world to be one of us, to live among us, lived a perfect life, and when he died on the cross, he didn't die for anything he had done wrong, but he died for the brokenness of humanity and the world, and all the things that we have ever done wrong or ever will do, so the things we've done wrong that separate us from God, they land on Jesus he took them to the cross once and for all and he buried them in the grave when he died and because he had done nothing wrong God raised him to life again and Jesus is alive now like we see in this story and he's alive in heaven and when we put our trust in him we get adopted into this family of God and we get the Holy Spirit in our lives today which is God's presence we're set free from sin and guilt and shame And we have a promise of eternal life and a part of this family that will go on forever when heaven comes to earth again and creation is restored. So that was it all in two minutes. But obviously Jesus, he had two and a half hours to explain it. That was my very snapshot version. I hope that made sense. Anyway. Just read the whole Bible and you'll get it in um, and that'll be much easier for you. So Jesus takes time to explain this to his followers over two and a half hours or so as they're walking along and unpacking all this from the scriptures so they could understand it for themselves and so that they would know that what it really meant that Jesus was alive. Not that Jesus, just Jesus was alive, but what that actually meant and what it meant for them so that they could know God's plan for the world and for them as people as well. Because they thought they knew, these two followers... They thought they knew God's plan and who God was, and they said, you know, we thought he was gonna be the Messiah. They thought they knew, but what we see here is that they didn't really know. You know, nobody expected God himself to come into the world and then to allow himself to be killed by the very people that he'd come to save. They weren't expecting that, and many people aren't expecting that. And I remember praying for a friend A few years ago, he had this sports injury, and he got healed. And when I, through praying for him, not only did he get healed, but in that moment as I prayed for him, he felt, he said that he felt God's love for him personally in his life for the very first time. And when I explained who Jesus is and that Jesus died for him, it's like he understood for the first time that Jesus died for him, and it was personal. And he said to me, you know, I've always believed in God, but I didn't know that he loved me. I didn't know that he did this for me, and that is personal, it's not just a vague idea, but that it matters to me, and that I could have a relationship with God, and that God has a plan for my life, and that I can be, become a part of God's family, and have a place there, and belong. And it may be the same for some of us here, or maybe watching at home. Maybe you've had an idea of God, or who Jesus is, or what it means to be a Christian, But actually, as you've been exploring and watching over the last few weeks or hearing the Easter story, even just in this talk today, and for the first time you realize that actually Jesus did this, this is something for me, and this is personal, and it's not just something like out there, but but it's in here, and it means something for me, and it's for you. And that invitation comes right to you, right to your doorstep, right to who you are. And Jesus says, come and join me. Come and be one of my followers. Welcome me into your life. Let me forgive you for the things that you've done wrong. Let me set you free and let me give you the promise of eternal life and walk with you, just like Jesus walked with these two. Let me walk alongside you for the rest of your life and be a part of it with you. And this is for each and every one of us. And if you've never said yes to Jesus before, if you've not made it personal for you before, then I wanna say you can do that right now. All you have to do is say, actually, Jesus, yes, I want you to be a part of my life. And in fact, we could just pray together now and you could say a prayer with me to welcome Jesus into your life. So you could just say this, Jesus, I thank you that you died for me. I thank you that you love me. Would you come into my life now and set me free? Forgive me for the things I've done wrong. Help me to walk this life with you. And I welcome the promise of eternal life into my life. I want to be a part of your family from today. Thank you. Amen. And as we pray that and welcome Jesus into our lives, he promises he comes into our lives. He fills us with his presence called the Holy, which is the Holy Spirit. And we go on this wonderful journey with Jesus and the family of God together, which we, is us together as church and the many churches, of course, throughout the world, which is amazing. So Jesus, he unpacks all this for them and he unpacks it from... The Bible, and they begin to realize this God's plan, God's rescue plan for the world, but they still don't know that it's Jesus with them. They haven't, they haven't realized it's Him yet until they get to this moment where they have um, a meal together. And it says this When Jesus was at the table with them, He took bread and gave thanks and broke it and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened and they recognized Him and He disappeared from their sight. Now imagine what that was like for a moment. I, I can could imagine, you know when, okay, this is just, you know, this is just me, but I imagine it. When when I'm watching whales in the rugby, and sometimes when they score like a last minute try, if I'm watching it with my dad, or even just in the house of my own precious witnesses now, I'm like off the sofa, I am jumping up and down, I'm going crazy. This is what I imagine it was like for them this moment. Suddenly they realize it was Jesus, I gotta butt them all up. You know, glasses and bread is flying everywhere. They're jumping around celebrating. Can you imagine it? Must have been amazing. And I bet then they were like, oh, I knew it was him. I knew it was him all along. You know, when you're watching something, I don't know if anyone here watches Line of Duty. I'm not going to give any spoilers. Don't worry. If you're watching it, and then, you know, it's all about... um, corrupt police officers and they're trying to find who it is and then it's always like a twist and someone will always be like oh i knew it was them all along when they said this when they did i knew it was them oh i knew it was them i wish i'd said i bet they were like oh when jesus said that and you can see that's what they're kind of doing here they say oh when our hearts burning within us when he talked to us on the road oh i knew it was him i should have got it i bet they were kicking themselves (laughs) anyway i love it now there's this great little insight that nt right theologians gives us a little insight which I never seen, uh, kind of thought of before. And again, it, it kind of talks about how the whole Bible points towards Jesus. And he um, just mentions how, you know, in the, in the beginning of the Bible, in the Genesis story, in chapter 3, we have this uh, picture of humanity turning away from God and doing things in their own way. Uh, when Adam and Eve, um, which mean, their names are hum- mean humanity and life, when they take the fruit and eat it, the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil, and uh, it describes it like this. It says, at that moment, their eyes were opened, and they suddenly felt shame at their nakedness. And it's like at this moment when brokenness enters into the world and creation falls, um, at that moment when their eyes were opened after they disobeyed God. But then here, we have almost like this, one of these first moments of recreation as God rescues the world, and Luke kind of ties these together just with a a, repeating a little phrase when he says how jesus when jesus broke the bread and the breaking of the bread you know in communion in the last supper jesus had said how when he breaks the bread it's a sign of his broken body on the cross and of the new covenant and jesus rescue of the world and when jesus breaks the bread and they take it in that moment their eyes are opened and they realize it's jesus so we have this phrase in that moment when he gets the bread their eyes were opened and they recognized him so with these eyes opening we almost have like the fall of creation and then in this moment with the breaking of the bread their eyes are opened and it's the restoration of creation and it kind of brings it full circle it's just another one of these nuggets of how the bible is all one story together okay final thing then for us So a few little thoughts but for me final thing now this is a very familiar story, and um, you may have heard it many, many times, or maybe for the first time today. But this week when I was reading this story, again, there was one thing that stood out to me personally that I'd never really noticed before or thought about before, and it's this. That these two followers of Jesus, Cleopas and the one who's not named, they were in the whole group with the disciples that morning, and they got the news, you know, from the women about the empty tomb and etc., But here we find them walking away to go home and leaving the group behind. And you can see as they're walking along that they're discouraged. And you can almost feel this kind of like, let's just go home, kind of. It's got that feeling to it. Now, I'm not saying that they were like giving up on the others um, or, you know, weren't like, lost their faith or anything. I'm not, not saying any of that. Because when Jesus shows up, um, we actually see how brave they are because when Jesus shows up, they don't realize it's Jesus. They think it's a stranger. And at this moment, the disciples have been hiding away in case they get arrested next. You know, Jesus has just been arrested and crucified. What if it's them? So they're hiding. But when this stranger starts talking to them, they openly say, you know, we're followers of Jesus. We hoped he was the Messiah. So they're actually, you know, they're very, bra- you know, they're very brave to-, to say this and just be so open. So, you know, don't, don't take it the wrong way. But at the same time. You know they they're discouraged and they've decided to go home and we see the difference because as soon as they realize jesus is alive what do they do next they get back up on their feet and they go straight back to jerusalem so you can see how they were feeling and don't you find that for us sometimes you know in times when we are discouraged in those moments it can become easy to become a bit disconnected or drawn away perhaps you know, in our relationship with God or with church community or with one another, in those moments of discouragement, it can be easy to just take that step back. And that might look or feel different for each one of us. And for Cleopas and the other disciple here, it was a let's just go home. But actually, what we see here in this moment for them when they were discouraged, that that's the moment when Jesus came to walk alongside them. And they didn't realize it was Jesus. They weren't seeing him physically. But as they shared their heart, and as they heard Jesus' words, and as they explored the Bible together, they were restored by being in his presence. And that's the same for us as well. Because, you know, we don't see Jesus physically. And they weren't seeing Jesus physically. But we experience his presence in our lives. And Jesus comes to walk alongside us and is with us through the Holy Spirit. Jesus said this, he said, I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate to be with you forever. And this word advocate here, it means someone who comes alongside, is a helper, a comforter, an advocate, one who comes alongside. And this is what Jesus does for us. And in these moments, actually this is where we can find strength in Jesus' presence and restoration and the strength to carry on. And Luke, as we saw, Luke brings attention to this moment when Jesus broke the bread. And that's when they realize that this was Jesus with them. And this, this breaking of the bread, this moment of realization, it kind of happens twice because it happens, you know, the first time, they break the bread. Wow, Jesus breaks the bread, they realize it's Jesus. And then they go all the way back to Jerusalem, and they're they're retelling the story. And as they're telling the story, the moment that they say, and he broke bread, and we realize it was Jesus, that's the moment when Jesus appears again. It says this, then the two told what had happened on the way and how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke the bread. While they were still talking about this, Jesus himself stood among them and said, peace be with you. And so it kind of happens twice. It repeats itself. And so Luke wants us to, to note what's happening here. And the breaking of bread, as we just said, is a, is a symbol and is something that Jesus gave to us to remember what he did for us. On the cross, it's, you know, commun- we call it communion. It's something that Jesus gave us to do together. Something for us to do together, to be together, and to remember and celebrate Jesus together. And as a church, we do this in our small groups. And so what this is showing is that as we meet together and gather together, Jesus is here with us with his presence. In fact, Jesus said, where two or three gather together as my followers, I am there with them. And for us, that's what we need. That's what we need in our lives. And in these moments of discouragement or challenge, there's nothing that we need more than the presence of Jesus and to be strengthened and guided and comforted and led by Him. And we get that through the Holy Spirit as we read the Bible, as we spend time and just offload our hearts to God, as we listen to Jesus' words, and as we gather as church together, we meet Jesus and His presence. And so at the start, we ask the question, you know, why does Luke include this story? Why, of all the different appearances, is this the one that Luke wants us to see and to know? You know, why not Jesus meet him with Peter or with James or with John or with Mary or some of the more famous characters? You can imagine reading this for the first time and thinking, like, who's Cleopas? I've not heard of him. But, like, who is he? I've not heard of him before. Uh, and the other one doesn't even get named, right? But this is on purpose, Luke chooses two ordinary followers of Jesus, and one of them, we don't even know their name, and he does this on purpose because he wants us to know that this is for us too. This could be any one of us. You know, sometimes we exclude ourselves, and we, oh, you know, that was maybe just 12 or Peter, you know, they're this, that, and the other, but Luke's saying, no, this is is for every one of us. Include yourself. This is what Jesus does for you. This is what Jesus does for us, and so as we finish today, I don't know if, if you resonate at all with that feeling of, let's just go home, that clear Cleopas uh, was feeling in that moment. So I just want to encourage you, if you're here and you need today a fresh experience and knowledge of Jesus' presence with you, to know him alongside you, then let's just take a moment to pray. Let's invite the Holy Spirit to fill us again with his power. And if, I, if the band wouldn't mind coming up, and the band are going to lead us in one last song, So we can take this moment, as we are together, knowing that Jesus' presence is here, to draw from him and allow him to strengthen you, encourage you, and meet with you again this morning, because he loves you, and he's here for you, and he cares about you, and he wants to strengthen us and come alongside us, just like he did to the two in the story. So why don't we just pray together? Let's close our eyes. And why don't you just say a simple prayer. Say, Jesus, come and meet with me now. Come and walk alongside me again. I welcome you. I welcome your presence. Just pray that. Just pray your own prayer, and we'll just wait together for a moment. Jesus, I thank you that you are here with us by your presence. I thank you that you come alongside us through the power of the Holy Spirit. So Holy Spirit, right now I invite you and I ask would you come and meet with us again. And for anyone here or watching at home who's maybe resonates with that feeling that Cleop has had of let's just go home and that feeling of discouragement, I pray would you come to them right now with your strength. And I pray would you bring your strength and your peace to their heart and mind right now. I thank you that you walk with us every single step of the way. That you are with us. So Holy Spirit, come now. We welcome you in our lives. We wanna meet with you and know you with us today. So while the band are playing, you can feel free to stay seated for this one and just continue to wait on the Holy Spirit and invite Jesus to bring his strength to you. And then if you want to, obviously we can't sing, you can sing at home. If you want to use these words as a prayer from your own heart, in your own mind, then go for it as well.